Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. This is Jody, and as usual, I am absolutely thrilled to have the opportunity to speak to incredible women who are doing incredible things in the world, and today is no different. Today, I would love to introduce you to executive leadership coach, author, and facilitator, Amy Eliza Wong. For more than 20 years, Amy has devoted herself to the study and practice of transformation. She's a conversational intelligence certified coach and has expertise in transpersonal psychology and interpersonal neurobiology. Essentially, Amy has a passion for helping people discover meaningful joy and satisfaction, breaking free from their fears and false perceptions and identify blind spots that help them reclaim energy, time and creative bandwidth. And who wouldn't want more of that? She wants everybody to reach their full potential and live with true intention. Today, we're talking about fear of rejection, fear of public speaking, all things confidence, and so much more. So, Amy, welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Oh, Jody, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. So happy to have this conversation with you. Excellent. And we're recording this a little bit earlier in the year, but when this goes live, you will have your new book launch or your new book out and and launching. So congratulations on that. I'm sure it's going to be a big lead up to, to launching your book. Is it your first book? It is. It is. Oh my goodness. What a process this has been. Yeah. It's so living on purpose. It's released May 24th and I am over the moon. I'm so excited. Fabulous. I know. It's such, it's like birthing something, isn't it? It's like such a big project and to get it out into the world. So. Oh, and at this, I'm in transition phase right now. I'm like, okay, I think we're almost fully dilated. We just got to get this out. (laughs) I just got to get this out. Just got to get it. I know it becomes a bit like that. Okay. So let's get started. We're going to talk about some amazing things today, but tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do and the work of being a leadership coach. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. So yes, I'm Amy Wong and I am a woman grounded in my passion for all things truth and meaning. I grew up in Sacramento and I am the daughter of three children. And I was raised by two amazing parents who have been married for 50 years. Wow. They have, I know I'm so lucky and they have taught me that kindness, hard work, and your mindset really are everything. Yeah. And I just, I'm so grateful for them. And, you know, for me, I now as in this phase of my life, I'm a, an executive leadership coach, but it didn't start here. I had a tremendous passion for math and music. I still do. And that's what I studied as right. a child. Yeah. So it was so fascinating in, in my love of math and in my love of piano, I just, really became drawn to teaching. And pretty early on, I was teaching math. I was teaching piano. I went to UC Berkeley, got my master's in math and I'm teaching there as well. And it was around like senior year of high school and into college, I recognized, oh my gosh, I am fascinated with 
how people perceive and wow. what it is that they don't know that they don't know. Yes. And that really is what led to this trajectory where I went from, you know, college into tech. So I was there for 10 years. And then after baby, I had this big breakdown breakthrough and realized, gosh, there's all this I'm not attending to. And went back on my master's in transpersonal psychology because I was so drawn to the subject and coaching found me. And I've been doing this for over a decade now. And so it's just been this very effortless progression that's been really rather miraculous. <laughs> yeah. And isn't it interesting? I read a little bit about your story and the breakdown after your child. And it, yeah. it sort of goes into that when you are faced with that, you sort of have to start discovering what you don't know that you don't know at that point to get to the other side of that, isn't it? That's right. Because what we know and what we're doing isn't working at that point. And when you're at your right. lowest, it has something has to change and something you need to see something new to, to be able to move forward. Well said. That's exactly right. You know, and I I know that after I had Aiden, really, I was, I thought I knew who I was. Yeah. And I thought I knew what my values were. I thought I knew what I was all about. But I had really been following the quote unquote formula that all of us are fed, (laughs) which is, you know, do good in school, get into a good college, get a good job, make lots of money, and then you're going to be happy. And I, was so bought into that formula. Yeah. But then I recognize, I'm like, but that's not me. But then when you're presented with, well, if that's not you, then who are you? Oh my gosh. And that's, you know, it's very ground shaking. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Well, I'm glad coaching found you. It sounds like you're doing amazing things and I can't wait to um, read your book. So we'll get onto that. But what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? Yeah, I love this question. And I don't think there's a more important topic we could be talking about. And frankly, this is the number one thing that I'm talking with, with all of my leaders. Yeah, It is confident in our message, confident in our presence, confident in, in our standing, in our teams. I mean, it's just, it's a state of being, yes. right? Yeah. And a lot of us are led to believe that it's a series of behaviors or techniques or like, what is it going to take? Or maybe it's a mindset. It's a mm-hmm. mindset to be confident. You know, fake it till you make it. We hear that often. And all of my work over the really, truly the 20 years that I've been fascinated with this, but really the past 10 years of my work and the research and the conversations I've had, what I have really come to see is that true confidence, and this is going to seem so obvious, <laughs> but true, true confidence, what it really comes down to it's the relationship we have with ourselves. Yeah. Um, and that sounds like a cliche, but here's what I really mean by that. How we regard ourselves. Do we know ourselves to be unconditionally whole and complete, worthy and deserving? Yeah. Exactly and as we are. That without change. Exactly as we are. Yeah. Unconditional. Mm. Mm. And it's, I mean, and this sounds like such a something you'd read on a Hallmark postcard, you know? And I don't mean it that way because there's so much wisdom in this. Really what this is, is it's a lens, yeah. right? Because check this out. When you, when you know something, Jody, right? Yeah. Like for example, you know your name. Yes. Right? You know that. Yeah. And let's imagine that someone comes to you and says, well, actually, no, that's not your name. Hey, check out your birth card. It's actually Bertha. That's your yeah. name. <laughs> and you'd be like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. And you'd be like, no, it's not. No. And they'd be like, look, we've got proof. Your yeah. birth certificate says Bertha. And you'd be like, um, nope, yeah. I know my name. And so what knowing really is, is a choosing to claim something despite the evidence. 
Right. To despite the conditions. And so it's not threatening. If somebody were to come to you and say, you know, Jody, I actually think your name is Samantha. Yeah. You'd be like, well, that's no. weird. Yeah. Like, no. And it doesn't trigger you. It doesn't make you defensive. Yeah. And it's because you know what's true. But how do you know it's true? It's because you're choosing to know what's true. And so that state of being and that knowing, that's freedom. Yeah. And so when you know your worth, when you know your wholeness, then the stuff of life isn't threatening. And if stuff isn't threatening, then you show up. Yes. That's confidence. Yes. That's confidence. And they're the moments we want to show up in because there's often fear and things, you know, when we have to sort of step up to do different things, there's, there is fear there and there's challenges and all sorts of stuff. And we, it is that knowing that I'm going to, we often say it's just a, it's the foundation is um, I'll handle anything that comes my way. And it's Mm -hmm. just that, that knowing that it's going to be fine. I'm going to handle, I'm going to handle it. And that's that true sense of whatever life throws at me. I know myself and believe in myself enough that I'll handle it. I'll work this out, you know? That's right. And notice that, and this is what's so profound about it. That's really just a choice. Mm, that's right. When you think about it, and that's the turning po- point for a lot of folks, is that you, you get to a point where you just have to choose that. But so much of us say, well, I have to prove it. But then when we go on this journey to prove our resiliency, prove our resourcefulness, we'll never, I mean, the nature of proof itself is pretty wonky. Yeah. And it will just be on this search. But there has to be a point where you just, you know what? I'm just going to choose it. Yes. I'm just going to choose it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And when are you the most confident version of yourself, Amy? Ooh. Well, I know for a fact that this is going to sound so corny, <laughs> but I know <laughs> we're, that- we're going to have great quotes out of this episode though. <laughs> I'll be printing Hallmark cards till the cows come home. <laughs> there we go. Right. I have decided Well, I I decided this a while ago and I'm now able to put words to it, but I have decided that I am here to raise the vibration of consciousness on the planet. Awesome. And I have known that for a long time. I just didn't have word for it when I was a kid, but now I do. And I would say I am most confident when I am actively living that purpose in a state of being where I'm really resonant with and very aligned with that lens. Yeah. I mean, it's always running in the background, but when it's overt, that's when I feel alive. And that aliveness is really when I, is, is what I equate to confidence because that's me and my whole and complete self. Yeah, doing what, what you're meant to do, yeah. And there's that alignment, isn't it great? And then you just get that sense of knowing that I'm in the right place, doing the right, not the right as in there's right and wrong, but it's like what you were meant for. And when, you, mm-hmm. when you're fulfilling that, it is, there is like an alignment and a connection going, okay, I'm in flow. I'm, I'm following what was meant for me. Right, that's right. You know, and with that, I mean, the most important part of this too is that, you know, as I've mentioned, confidence is a knowing of oneself as being whole and complete. So when I am truly actively Mm. choosing that state. And I am knowing and I'm choosing that wholeness and completeness, that enoughness, that worthiness. And I'm living from that knowing, oh, there is nothing more life-giving. There is. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, we're going to hear more about you and your story and everything today. But we had some exchanges in emails. You filled out some information for us. And as I said, I can't wait to read your book. And I'm sure what we're going to talk about today is in all of that. So then readers can go, uh, sorry, listeners can go and we'll put all the links to your book in our, in our show notes. But in the work that you do, what do you feel is the root of a lack of confidence? And how does that happen? Mm. 
Mm. Well, so if confidence is a knowing of oneself as whole and complete, then what's the opposite? The opposite is a belief, right? Or even worse, a knowing, a choosing to know that one's brokenness or not enoughness or lack or inadequacy, not enoughness is really what it comes down to. And so that has been fueling me, this predicament that most of us struggle with. And I'll tell you, most of us do. Some, most of Everyone us, I've ever spoken underneath, to, Amy. <laughs> underneath the covers, yeah. Underneath the covers of our pretty facades in this life of like, wow, I'm, I'm killing it. Things are great. Woohoo. Underneath all of that, we have a very quiet, false, limiting belief that, oh gosh, maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not confident. Oh, I don't know. And and it lives within all of us. And so that false belief is truly the source of lack of confidence. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Thinking about it as a relationship with self. When we're attending to this idea that we're not enough, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that, that, ooh, I'm afraid of being found out. Because here's the bigger story. Ready for this? Because I know we talked about rejection. So here's the bigger story. I map back almost everything that I do, whether it's in leadership coaching, executive presence, public speaking, conversational intelligence, transformation, anything. Yeah. What's so present and what's so interesting to me is that it's this fear of rejection Mm. that all of us contend with on a primal level. And I don't think we give this fear enough airtime because we all get that it sucks to be rejected. And we all get that we're all very, very sensitive to judgment. We don't want to be judged. We're not, I don't think we're giving it enough airtime because the truth of this, check this out. Our brains, Jody, our brains are hardwired Mm. to keep us alive, right? And it's doing its work all the time to keep us alive. But here's the thing. Our brain is protecting us from two kinds of threats equally. Ready for this? Mm -hmm. Environmental threats, right? Obviously. And social threats. Yeah. And we think, okay, that makes sense. But what's really going on with social threats? Well, check this out. Our brain is configured to perceive rejection and avoid rejection like it avoids death. Mm. Why? Because think about it. When we're born as a human, we're born survival brain dominant. We are born without this prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And we are born entirely dependent on our caregivers for the first couple of years of life. And so our brains and bodies know this. And so what does life mean to the brain? Oh, well, mom and dad better buy in, Yeah, which means, oh my goodness, rejection is death. And so there's a wiring in us that has us so sensitive to... Re- in fact, the experience of rejection, whether it's judgment, humiliation, not being included in a heartbreak or, or not being included in a meeting and heartbreak, all that, yep. it literally registers as physical pain in yes. the brain. yeah. Yeah. Which is unlike any other emotion. And so we're hardwired for this. Okay. So why am I sharing this? This fear of rejection is so fundamental in how we perceive and how we navigate the world and how we interpret and how we think, say, and how we act that it's our fear of rejection that has us solidifying these beliefs. Oh my gosh, maybe I'm not good enough. (gasps) In order to avoid being found out is not good enough because that maps to rejection, which maps to death. So we solidify these false beliefs in order to stay safe Mm. from rejection. Mm. And that's really what's running on and going on underneath the surface. And when these are left unchecked, we live a life half-lived, unfulfilled. Because we're really not able to show up because of these unchecked fears of being found out is not good enough, which maps to rejection, which maps to death, which actually is not true, but... 
If, yes, <laughs> we are. just because things aren't true doesn't mean your brain doesn't buy it. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, and it, and that's what it means to be living on autopilot, right? So all this stuff is running in the background and we're driven to do the things that we do, show up in the way that we show up. We don't realize, most of us don't realize, oh, wait, that's the reason? Yeah. I'm afraid, like, wait, I'm afraid of getting judged, which masks rejection, which masks, oh, mm. that's going on. Mm. Oh, all right. All right. Let me look at this and a little more And don't you think, I've, I mean, in my coaching practice, you know, I've done a lot of work around that, that topic as well. And I'm still so surprised that people still think it's only them. Like they've got some yeah. gene that was like deformed <laughs> or something and that's what's caught. Right. And when they get that, when there's an acceptance that, Oh, no, no, this is pretty much everyone on the planet. Like you're mm. pretty normal. And so many of my coaching series, I start with them going, okay, so the lowdown is there's nothing wrong with you and you're pretty normal and now we're going to work through that. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. really? Does everyone feel like this? It's like, yes, yeah. they do. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Is it because we don't, maybe because the fear of rejection, we don't talk about that's it exactly, openly? That's without, exactly with, right. Right? We don't mm. just share it and be super cool with that to go, well, just like every other human on the planet, I'm terrified of being rejected today in this meeting. And that's because we're all trying to yeah. win in a little bit and nobody's sharing. Everyone else thinks, well, everyone else has got it handled. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because being vulnerable is if I expose this, then that'll be the death of me because yes. then it'll be proven. It'll be validated. And oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, it is, I'll tell you, there's so much to say about this. Yeah. My favorite quote, and I say this probably to, well, there's two, two of my favorite quotes, but this is one of them. And I probably say this two to three times a week, which is be kind mm. for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Yeah. Yeah. And what I think that really speaks to is this reality that we're talking about, yeah. right? Is that we have this inner struggle inside that with ourselves. Yeah. And here's what I think is so beautiful is that when we start to wake up that yeah, this is normal and all of us have this to some degree. It's amazing how it increases the compassion in the world. Yeah. Because if we know that everyone yeah. has this to some degree, as you look out in the world, you can't take things personal. No. And then you just look with eyes of compassion. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah, there's so there's so much to be said about this. Yeah. Yeah. And through your work, like how do you help people navigate this? Like, yes, it's important that we all start to realise that everyone's got this. It's, yeah. it's sort of a bit of, it's hardwired. It's where we came from. Yeah. It's it's, the, yeah. it's how our brains work. I often say, you know, we, we accept that our heart just pumps blood to every corner of our body, but there's so many things we just don't accept that our brain does to try to keep us alive. And when we can sort of accept that type of, those feelings and those emotions are deep rooted and it is your brain trying to keep you alive, just like your heart's pumping blood to keep you alive. When we can sort of accept that, how do we then move forward with knowing, once we know that and we can talk about it, how do we manage it? Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of a series of questions you have to ask yourself, right? And, you know, if I was stepping someone through a conversation, the first thing I generally ask is, okay, on a scale of zero to 10, if 10 represents an ideal aspirational level, a state of being that is you in this state of flourishing mm -hmm. where you are feeling at peace and inner calm and free and thriving and abundant. And it's just, it's, that's your ideal. And zero is you're totally down in the dumps. Where do you fall? 
Where do you think you currently fall? So the first question is to just take stock. Where, To be honest with yourself, would you give yourself a four? Would you give yourself an eight? There's no right or wrong answer. It's like, where where are you? Mm-hmm. And then we want to get curious. Okay, well, what do we need to do to close the gap? Yeah. And so then it's like, okay, well, what's how big of a gap are we looking here? In your own perception, not objective. Yeah. This is not an objective gap. This is in your own perceived experience. So then it's like, well, okay, if we've got a gap, great. Mm. Let's dive in because let's do the work to start to close it. So then the next inevitable question would be, well, how do you believe you're getting in your own way? Mm. Yes. What, what is it that you need to shift? What is it that you need to change? What, how might you be getting in your own way? What's holding you back? And really diving into that. It's like, what is that? Mm. And so that's when we want to start taking a look at what are these fears? What are these things? What are the things that are holding you back? That you th- you know you're doing. Yes. That you don't have enough time to really slow yourself down and really take a good look at this. Yeah. Because let's face it, it's a luxury yes. to slow down and get reflective <laughs> on this stuff, right? In today's like modern got, world, it is, yes. Totally. We've got bills to pay. We've got mm. food, mouths to feed. Yeah. We've got, mm. I mean, we're on the brink of gosh knows what with the world and the, I mean, it's just, there's so much. So it's it's a luxury, but- you know, when we do take that time and ask, what is it that I'm afraid of? What, what's yeah. holding me back? Then it's a matter of getting curious about, okay, well, so here's the kicker. You're ready for the question to get right to the heart of what's holding you back? I'll ask you right now. Mm-hmm. What are you most afraid? Other people would either find out or decide about you. Yeah. What are you most afraid other people would either find out or decide about you? Wow. What a powerful question. Right. And you don't have to answer it out loud, right? But mm. but you get you thinking. It does. Because here's the thing. We all have an answer. Mm. And if we don't have an answer, it's because we have numbed ourselves to of the discomfort of considering what the answer is. Yeah. But most of us are pretty good at being able to answer from our survival brain. Now, the brilliant part of our brain goes, but it's not true. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. Which yes. which is a wonderful, which it's doing its job, but the reason I ask this question is because whatever you answer with, that's what you believe about yourself. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't say it. Yes. And that's what's holding you back. Yeah. Then once you know that, it's what you said from the beginning, it's in the don't know, you don't know. But once you know, you can do something with that. That's right. And help and support it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's when the real work, well, the real work begins when we start asking these questions. But yeah, the, the perceptual shifting begins when you start realizing, I don't have to choose this anymore. What do I need to do in order to not choose that belief? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And I think you're right in saying about that, you know, it's a luxury when we start looking at this because there is so much outside information Mm -hmm. going on, outside our brains. There is so much going on in the world. There's so much happening for other people. There's so much, so much that we don't sometimes take that luxury to just go, what's happening behind my two eyes, what's happening in here right. that I need to look at. And it's if we do have fear and fear, sometimes it's almost too scary to look at that, isn't it? We just don't uh, want to like once we uncover it and we see the don't know, we don't know, <laughs> you can't right. unsee it again, you know, and it's. That's right. But it's That's really, right. it takes some courage to really step into that, to go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to reflect on what's what's happening in in my head and what's what's going on behind yeah. my two eyes and and support that to 
to do more in the world, be more authentic, be more of myself, be able to step into my passion and my loves and Mm -hmm. my things. And that's what's, you know, there's something there holding me back from that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, what I've bumped up against with others a couple of times is, you know, that fear is really very real Mm. in looking within and being honest with oneself. Because I think, you know, when you really, for those that have created massive structures to shield themselves from the discomfort of that false belief and live in such a place of, I don't know how to put it, but when you really shield yourself from the truth, the thought of addressing it becomes really scary because what is going to change in your life when you do? Mm. Will my relationships change? Yeah. Will my world come? Like this, it, will my marriage work? Yes. Will this job work? Yeah. If I become really honest with myself. And so, you know, it can feel extremely scary yeah. sometimes to, to really look within and be like, wait, am I being honest? Yeah. But don't you find, with, even with your clients, there is a baseline knowing that they've done that. Like they know mm-hmm. that they've sort of locked themselves away and it's scary to look at the questions, but they're so dissatisfied with life anyway. It's that courage of it's just not working. You know, I can shield mm-hmm. myself and pretend that everything's working and pretend that I love this job, which I don't, or pretend this is my purpose and it's, but they know, they know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I would say, you know, and and for most of the folks that I work with, it's it's really more a matter of, Okay, I've worked with this. I, I've, I'm willing to do the work. I've done most of the work largely. Now it's a matter of, you know, I'm at an eight out of 10. Yeah. How do I get this to an 11? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you've talked a bit about Carol Dweck's, we've, we know about Carol yeah. Dweck's growth mindset framework. So how can we apply that to confidence and, and develop, oh, you know, yeah. developing our confidence? Right. So do you, you talk about this often with your listeners? Mm. Is that right, Trudy? Mm. It's, this, it's, come, this up, yeah, it's is, come up a, a few times on the podcast because it's just one of those, there was a, a shift when we all started to really read that research and understand and so many people call on that. And so many, I find so many organizations now are committed to oh, yeah. having employees in a growth mindset. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I think it is a topic people know about, but maybe not know how to apply that to confidence as right. such. Right. Well, I thank you for this question. I love this topic so much and it comes up often. And I think, you know, the language of this framework is so obvious and simple that I think it runs the risk of it being misunderstood because, you know, we, we hear growth mindset a lot like, oh yeah, of course I've got a growth mindset, but we're, (laughs) you know, without really diving into what the framework is, we're left to believe that, oh, well, this means that of course I would choose to grow rather than to not grow. Well, oh, duh. Yeah. But that's not, that's really not what this framework is about. So for anyone here that might not be totally familiar with the framework, I'll just yes. kind of break it down yeah. really simply. So what Carol Dweck has masterfully dis- determined and discerned with all the research and her team is that at any point in time, we've got two mindsets going on. We've either got a fixed mindset or we've got a growth mindset. Both are very fluid. We can go back and forth between these mindsets and they're not really fixed in either one. If They're, they're very fluid. And, and I have even found in my own personal experience, it's not even mutually exclusive at times. Mm. I, could have a, I could be toggling very quickly yeah. back and forth between both fixed and growth and fixed and growth on one subject. But here's the difference and here's what they, here's what they are. So a fixed mindset holds who we are as an individual 
is a set of fixed capabilities, inherent qualities that I was born with. So in my case, if I were fixed about certain things, I would say I'm really good at math. Yes. I'm really good at music. (laughs) I am horrible at singing and I can't draw worth. My my nine-year-old laughs at me like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a treat. No, it's not. That looks like a house. No, it's not. You're good at like stick figures only, right? right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I'm like, and and now if I were fixed about this, I would say, well, this is just who I am. Yes. You know, my skills are in mathematics and with music and not with art and not with singing. Sorry, like, bleh, mm. not going to do that. And I would hold that these traits are, are fixed in me. And that right there, in a fixed mindset, so let's take this further. If I'm fixed in my qualities, then if I go forth and I'm not able to do something, as a result of the qualities that I perceive that I have and I fail, oh my gosh, what does that mean about me (gasps) that I'm not good enough? And so what is that triggering? The fear of rejection. And so what is that? That means death to the brain. And so why do we know that fixed mindsets are risk averse? Well, it's for this reason, because failure is evidence that you're not good enough, that Mm. you don't, you're not up to snuff, that you're inadequate, that you're not good enough. And so this this mindset being fixed, it's going to feel very intrinsic. Like, of course we have fixed mindsets. Like, yeah, I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. I can learn languages. I don't learn languages. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. We, we can fall into that very easily. But the natural output of a fixed mindset is we become risk averse and failure is the enemy. So what does that mean? We don't try. We don't put ourselves out there. So being in a fixed mindset is somewhat limiting. But yeah. what does that say? It's just saying that I am in a state of belief that my qualities are inherent and fixed. And that's it. End of story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now let's talk about growth mindset. Growth mindset holds that who we are is really malleable. And I can pretty much do whatever I put my mind and my attention to. And this feels very natural, right? I mean, because like, for example, if, if you go and move to Spain and you don't speak Spanish. Yep you probably would have a belief that after a couple of years, you'd probably be speaking Spanish. Yes. Right? And so what is that saying? That's saying, well, you know, whether I have this quality or not, I can do it. Yeah. And so if a growth mindset says, I'm really largely unknowable, but the things that happen are a product of my time, attention, and effort. Yes. Okay? So this focuses on process. Growth mindset focuses on everything's a process. I'm in process all the time. And depending on where I put my time, attention, and effort, something will happen. Now, check this out. If I believe that everything is a product of my time, attention, and effort, well, then fine. If I go forth and it doesn't work, well, okay, that just... Yeah, it sucks, but it doesn't mean anything about my inherent worth. So therefore, it's not triggering. It's data. Yes. Right? So failure is an evidence. It's just feedback about the process. And so what do you do? You tweak the time, attention, and effort, and you keep going. Oh, I love that view. Yeah. Right? Right? So if you're in a growth mindset, now... It's like, okay, well, then I'm not triggered by failure. If anything, it's just a feedback. It's information. Mm. And so with that kind of mindset, we engage in life. We try things. We'll take risks. Now, you have to ask yourself, what would be a better place to be if you decide to live your life? Fixed or growth? Well, obviously growth, right? Obviously growth. 
so now more to the story. What I find so interesting is that, you know, when they were doing the research about these mindsets, the natural question is, okay, well, then what precipitates a fixed mindset? What precipitates a growth mindset? How is it that we fall into one camp or the other? And the one thing that got me super interested, and I think it's because my my love of language and communication and all yeah. things, was they, you know, the researchers, and at that time they were saying, okay, well, maybe it's the language that we're hearing. Maybe it's what we're telling ourselves and maybe what we're hearing from others. So I don't know if you're familiar with this with this study, but, you know, they go into a fourth grade classroom, they split it in half and they, these two groups of fourth graders and they've got math tests that are totally par for the course. And for the first group, side A say, they say they're going to test out, can we create either a growth or fixed mindset based upon what we're telling them, right? And then bigger question, what happens if we do so, right? So then they go to group A and they say, hey, so we hear you're super smart, that you're really good at math take this test. So they take the test and they do fine. But then they go to side B and they say, hey, we hear you love to solve math problems. We hear that you love to use your mind. Now notice the language, right? So side A is hearing fixed. Here's your inherent quality. Yes. Side B is is hearing you are. This is this is right. That's it. What we know of you. Yeah. Right. So then side B is hearing this is a process. So get the Mm. get this. Side B rocks it. They Mm. do really well. But here's the kicker. They go back in and then they ask, hey, so side A, you did great. So now you've got an option. Do you want a harder test or an easier test? What do you think they said? I think they would have said, <laughs> did they say easier? They did. A hundred percent of them said easier. Yeah. Right. They don't because think about it. They've already, they've already proved themselves. Yes. That's it. Because now it's the fear of rejection. They don't want to lose the status of smart, which gives them a proven belonging. And so they can't risk losing that label for fear of rejection. And so now they're going to dampen back. They're going to mute themselves. Wow. And that's the risk of fixed mindset. Now check this out. They go to side B and they say, hey, you love to use your mind. You love a challenge. Question, harder test, easier test. said harder. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's going on here, notice how we talk to ourselves. Yes. Notice how, what we listen to from others. And if we're telling ourselves, oh boy, I'm really smart. I better knock this out of the park. Ooh, you're playing to the fixed mindset. Yes. But if you start telling yourself, hey, I can put anything I put my mind to. Yeah. That you know, momentum is better than certainty that let's just get some data to work with. Let's just keep feeding it back in the system. Hey, it's going to work out and it's going to be great. By the way, that's my favorite mantra that I use all the time. And I invite all my clients to use all the time. It's going to work out and it's going to be great. Yes. Because when is it never not worked out? And when has it never not been great? Right. And so, and I love, just love, I'm I'm like, I know there's going to be so many quotes come out of this. Momentum is better than certainty. I mean, Fantastic. I love that. I love that. Because it is. It's being in action. Just keep moving. That's right. Because, you know, we're always in process. We're always going to be iterating off the output. We put in input, we get output. Wait, we never stop. We're never done. Yeah. We're doing this until the last day of our life. That's right. So why think that, you know, we're getting, we're going to get to a place, a place of finality. We're not. So just keep iterating, keep throwing it into the system. You keep going. Yeah. My favorite mantra, which I give to all my clients is everything's working out perfectly. Everything's working. I say it over and over. Everything's working out perfectly. Everything's working out perfectly. It's that keep going, keep going. It's all working out. It's all happening well. It's just going fine. Like just keep going. 
there's so much wisdom to that. I mean, in truth, that's why I named, my practice is named Always On Purpose. Mm. How can we not always be on purpose if we're iterating? Yeah. We're always getting what we need in order to keep going, right? Yeah. So whatever the input was, is the output we need in order to move forward. So it's yeah. always working out. Yeah, yeah, it is. But back to confidence. So when it comes to this framework, yeah. when, I, when I get super excited about merging what we're talking about with this framework... I love for people to see that, hey, really, what this is about is true growth mindset is when you decide to know that at the core, you are unconditionally whole and complete. Mm. That's it. And when you know you're whole and complete, then you just go forth and have fun. Yeah. Because you're not trying to prove that you're smart. You're not trying to prove that you're good enough. You just go forth. So a true growth mindset is one in which you go forth in life and you do not map the output to your worth. Yeah, And this is key. It, it, the moment we map output yeah. to our worth, we're in a fixed mindset. We become failure. We fear failure and then we become risk averse. Do you get that? Yes. Like this is where it's so yeah. powerful that we cannot map the output to our inherent worth. Yeah. We have to let that just be a truth that each of us are whole and complete. Yeah. And then now let's go forth and let's go make magic. And that's that real foundation of confidence. And then you can do whatever you want after that because it's it's not, as you say, it's not, if I fail at speaking up in that meeting and my idea is not taken on, it's not about me. It's not evidence about It's not about evidence me. about my worth. Yes. But here's the thing and where I always have to, because people start to get a little squirrely, like, wait, 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 wait <laughs> but what if, what if? And I'm like, okay. So let's take your inherent self-worth out of the equation and let's just let that be a self-evident truth for a moment, okay? That does not give you permission to not care about your impact on others, mm. right? So you might fail or quote unquote, you might make a mistake, yeah. but you want to be pretty eyes wide open to like, how is it the impact landing on others, right? Oh, do I need to recalibrate? Do I need to shift? Is this, is this right for the good of the whole? Great. But okay, at the end yeah. of the day, what I'm creating and what's happening isn't evidence of my worth. It's mm. not evidence of my enoughness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great view of that. And I, you've explained that so well and really learned something out of that. So I'm sure our listeners will as well. Because it, again, what you said, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in a growth mindset. I'm like, I can learn and I can do, but I can see where now I can pick myself up because I say, you know, lots of different things going, oh, but I can't sing. I'm no good at this. And as though it's a given, as though it's the, the way it's going to be, I always say, oh, well, I'm highly impatient. That's just, that's just who I oh, am, right? <laughs> you see, right? They're fixed mindset. There it is. Yeah. But I've never picked those things up before about it being a fixed mindset because I've always been, yeah, but I mean, I'm a growth mindset sort of girl. Like I'm good. Like it's fine. But I can see where I can distinguish now between some of the other points that I still say as just, that's just who I am. And they're not, yeah. it's not who I am. They're not. Yeah. We are malleable. That's right. I mean, yeah. thank goodness for this amazing thing called neuroplasticity and mm. the facts that our brains are, you know, the, our brains are plastic mm. and our focus and our experience is constantly creating new connections in our brain. And so yeah. we really do get to create whatever we want to make true for ourselves by virtue of our focus. Yeah. I mean, how powerful is that? I mean, so powerful. I mean, what a gift. Mm. What a gift mm. us humans have. Yeah. 
I'll share a yeah. funny story. I was at the orthodontist with my son a couple of days ago getting he's going to get braces as, as, as you do when you're sort of 12. And the orthodontist said to him, and how are you going with your teeth brushing and all that? And he said, uh, well, yes, I'm pretty good, but... Um, and then he looked at me because I'm always on about building neural pathways. And he said, yeah, yeah. sometimes the neural pathway hasn't quite formed. And the orthodontist <laughs> is like looking at me like, I was like, we talk a lot about neural pathways and how. <laughs> and he's sort of rolling his eyes like, oh, my God, I can't believe oh I'm God. sharing this. And it's like the neural pathway doesn't pull, like it's probably not strong enough that it's happens every morning that like, you know, that I'm some, like, I'm like, sometimes that I have to remind him that he's got. Precious. That, well, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Oh my God, I love you. I, I, like, but I'll get there. I'll get yeah, there. He's going to get there because I'm <laughs> drilling the every morning, every morning, make it happen. So it's automatic and then you're changing your brain. Oh, I love it. Anyway, so the last question I've got I want to talk about is so many of my clients in corporate world are moving up the corporate ladder and what we're talking about, speaking up in meetings, trying to be more visible in their organizations. And they're terrified of this aspect of public speaking or being the team leader or presenting to the directors or, you know, more senior staff and that sort of thing. And this is a huge area of fear and concern that really rocks their confidence. And we've talked a little bit about it's probably how they they perceive that. But I'd love to hear more about what is a technique that they can use to embody confidence in those moments and reduce the amount of nervousness and fear because they they feel it in oh, their yeah. bodies. Like I had one client who said, they can see my hand shaking and she can see that she, they can see my hand shaking. Like it really yeah. takes over her physically. Absolutely. So what techniques do you, do you use? One of my favorite questions, because this comes up all the time and it is so important. And what I'm about to talk about doesn't just apply to public speaking. This is truly a tool for, for confidence in all aspects of life. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to break this down. When we have to get in front of people for whatever reason, whether it's public speaking, presentation, pitching, and it's the stakes are high, we don't know people, naturally it's going to evoke nervousness. Why? Now let's map it back to the fear of rejection. We don't know these people. We can't take it for granted. So naturally we're going to go, oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> there's a chance for being rejected, which means it's like death of the brain. Oh yes, my God. Yeah. So I like to break it down in this way. I don't care who you are, or how good you are as a speaker. When you have to get in front of people you don't know and the stakes are high, you're going to get a surge of nerves. Yeah. Okay. That's adrenaline. Yeah. And as you know, we just talked about this earlier. We, mm. we like adrenaline. Yes. As you know, people that understand adrenaline and, and, and as a speaker, mm. nerves are healthy. Nerves are biological. It is a part of the process. Now, for a lot of people, what happens is this, the surge of nerves happens and they think that's unwanted. Yes. So in the sheer act of resisting the nerves, they push against it and they cause themselves to spin out even more and create more anxiety and nervousness. Mm. Now I make a big distinction between nerves and nervousness. Okay. So nerves, wanted, healthy. Yes. So the first technique, and this has been written about, Adam Grant writes it beautifully in his books. Um, think again, I think he talks about it in originals, where very, very simply, they did studies on this and it works. The moment you feel the surge of nerves, you immediately tell yourself, I'm excited. I'm excited Change because the language the again, back to that. Yeah. Right. Right. Because yeah. yeah. And so because the sensations of nerves and nervousness are largely the same, but when you say excited, you channel your resources. And really quickly, when they did this study and they had two groups of MBA students test this out, one was told, just tell yourself to calm down. Yes. The other was told, 
tell yourself you're excited, the group that told themselves that they were excited were rated 80% more effective than the other group in front of this panel of all professors. And I mean, it was, it's fascinating. So first tool, tell yourself you're excited. Wow. Okay. I love that. Yeah. That covers, that covers nerves, but that doesn't now cover anxiety because that's something else. So I call nervousness something different and nervousness, anxiety, that's unnecessary. Yeah. It's it happens for one reason alone. It's psychological. Now nerves is biological. Nervousness is psychological. And when I and I what I want, I'm gonna propose here this happens for one reason. And once you understand this, it never happens, has to happen again when you really get this. Yeah. Okay. So here here it goes. If you're nervous, and let's be clear, let's talk about it. What does nervous mean? What are the symptoms of anxiety? So Jody, when you get anxiety and nervous, like what happens to you in your body? What do you feel? Oh, heart rate goes out of control. I get that pit in my stomach thing, that breathing's quicker and you just, I'm almost looking for the lion in the cage. Like my senses are all very heightened. (laughs) That's right. And I would bet for anyone listening, they would agree that nervousness feels like that. Now that's very different than nerves. Wouldn't you agree? Now let's contrast that real quick. When you feel nerves, what's that feel like? When you feel that surge of adrenaline, you're going to speak in front of an amazing group of women. What's that feel like? Well, see, I love that feeling and that's probably why. Yeah, right. And how would you describe it? It is different. Like my heart rate's quicker, but I'm not, it's not gone into a out of control level. Like it's, yes. so there's a, there's an energy, there's an excitement, like, and I use that to, I love that because it, it has me perform and I love that that's feeling, it. but it's just, yes. it's not panic. I think that's the distinction. That's exactly I'd right. love to do. It's not panic. It doesn't go into the panic stage. Oh my God, mm-hmm. this is not going to go well. It's it, when your mind just takes over. I can still, yeah. I'm still in control. That's it. Yeah. So this is the difference here. Nerves is a power source and it's there for you to channel into eye contact and body language and you feel present. You feel grounded. You feel energized. That's nerves. But nervousness is when there's panic. Okay. But now nervousness happens for one reason and here it is. It has everything to do with focus. And here's how I break it down. At every moment in time, each one of us in each moment has a primary underlying objective in that moment, but we're usually not aware of it. Right. And this is happening in each moment. So right now I'm having this conversation with you, Jody. And if I didn't know what I know, I could at this moment be really aligned with, and I call it a stance. I could be standing for you liking me. Yes. That could be my primary <laughs> objective, right? Or yes. I could ultimately be standing for impressing you. Yeah. Yeah. Or I could ultimately be standing for impressing all the listeners and getting lots yeah. of business, right? <laughs> yes. Now, these are all of the multiple stances. I call this a stance. Yeah. And every single one of us has one running in the background, but we're usually not aware of it. Yeah. See, this happens now. Here's another example. This happens with feedback conversations. If you've ever had to give really hard feedback to a colleague yeah. and you didn't want to do it, it was very uncomfortable. Here's why. In that moment of opportunity... You were standing for something you weren't choosing and you didn't mean to. Mm. And if you were to be honest, you were standing for avoiding conflict. Yes. You were yes. standing for being liked. Yes. You cared more about being liked than their growth. Yes. You were not standing for their growth. Okay. So now let's go back to public speaking. Yeah. Nervousness is a symptom. It's just a symptom that in this now moment of opportunity, you are standing for something you don't mean to be. You're not choosing and it's not serving you. You didn't mean to, but it's happening. 
And in this now moment, you are standing for looking good. Yes. You're standing for your image. You care more about how you're being perceived than the job at hand. Part of your awareness is channeled in the direction of the actual job. I mean, you're speaking for a reason, yep. but no part of your focus is channeled for that reason. All of your focus is channeled in, oh, what are they thinking about me? Oh my gosh, what yeah. are they judging me? Am I going to do a good job? Will they admire me? Am I going to be judged? Yep. Remember, it all maps back to that fear of rejection. Yeah. But the way out of this, here it is, is step one, care about how you feel. Yes. Step two, catch when you feel nervous. Step three, recognize it's just a symptom that right now, I am making this about me. Step number four, here it is, the most important step. This isn't about me. This has nothing to do with me. And so I always say like shift the spotlight, right? So I've got this ring light, shift the spotlight. It's not on me. It's on boom. And so step number four is, what is this really about? Yeah. See right now, Jody, with me and you, this is about connection and empowerment. Yes. This is about raising the consciousness of the planet That's through right. a conversation. Yeah. This isn't about anything other than that. Let's let's line up behind that. Yes. For everyone that has to speak, it's about something big. But the moment we make it about ourselves, we spin out. Yeah. But we get to choose the focus. So we have to claim it. And so the moment we claim it, that is true confidence. And I'll tell people, you know, when it comes to executive presence, which really is a is another way yes. for, to talk about confidence. Yeah. That is really what it is. It's when what someone claims a stance that is noble, that has nothing to do with self, and a hundred percent of your resources and your focus is channeled to that focus. That's the job. That this is what it's about. It's not about proving myself. No. It's not about being right. Yeah. I'm not standing for being right. I'm not standing for winning. I'm. It's, I'm not standing for me. I'm standing for boom. And it's whatever that big objective is, and you take a stand for it, and you choose it. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. All of your focus goes to that. And that is true confidence. Yes, I love it. And oh, it's a, that's so it's a great. practice. Yeah, it is. It's a practice. It it's not a it's not a switch you find. Yeah. Yeah. And you do this over and over. We say that I say to clients, you, you gotta start feeling those nerves and be and be in process because you can't it's like learning to swim. You can't read a book about swimming and learn to swim. You need to be in the pool swimming. You need to work it. And yeah. I find the same with with speaking. You need to feel it and manage that whole process in the moment. You can't intellectualize that when the nerve. No, that's right. You need to feel it and do it. So you've got to start, start somewhere, start somewhere. Oh, so many great points and we could talk for hours, but we finish every episode with our Rise Women Power questions. And then at the end of the year, we do a nice compilation of all the all the answers, which is really lovely. And we get this amazing, amazing episode with all these like nuggets of wisdom, etc. So Amy... What do you wish every woman knew? Oh, that underneath everything of their life, they are truly innately whole and complete. Absolute. I love Unconditionally. it. Unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah. What is your superpower? There's a couple things I want to say at once, so I will just leave it at this. <laughs> we'll, ha- we'll hear more than one. You can share more I, than one. <laughs> I really think it's it's just my true undying passion for understanding the nature of this thing called existence and how it is that we flourish and thrive. I just, yeah, it's what wakes me up in the morning and it's what keeps me going. And it's, um, yeah, it's, yeah. 
I'll say it's my superpower. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, now we have a whole shoe thing going on. Are you a heels or a flats girl? Do you feel more confident in heels or flats? Or we've had lots of variations on, we've had snow boots, barefoot, hiking boots. <laughs> what, what, what's your, your shoe of choice? <laughs> you know, it depends on how long I'm going to be on my feet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> if I am... So here's here's the true secret. I'm all about... And I did a post on this on LinkedIn. I, You know, if you've got a big presentation, wear yeah. the most amazing shoes. Yes. There's something powerful that's what about I it. Absolutely. So I say the most amazing shoes is the right, is yeah. the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> but you also want to make sure that you're not going to be distracted by pain. Yes. So if I'm on Zoom and I'm doing a really big presentation, I will wear the most amazing heels on Zoom. But if I have to be standing facilitated for, for 10 hours, I'm going to choose my kick-ass flats yeah, yeah. that were like okay. <laughs> amazing. So I would just say, yeah. you know, it really is context dependent. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and I love to hear that someone else, because whenever I do presentations or coaching, I've got heels on under the desk because there's like... Oh, Totally. There's a mindset thing. And I give that I give that oh, yeah. technique to so many people, especially when we move from to the work from home. So many of my friends were like, oh my goodness, I've been, you know, working from a home office for 20 years. So I had it down pat. And I'm like, whatever you do, still have heels on under the desk for when you're That's speaking right. in big meetings because there's a mindset, there's a mindset oh, it, thing it, that goes it is on. So powerful, Jody. Yes, I, I I mean, this is a powerful public speaking technique that I bring up all the time. Wear the good shoes. Wear the yes. good shoes. I know. And hence why we've got, I don't know if you can see my book in the back. I, we've got I a shoe on the, yeah, yeah, we've got a whole shoe. Anyway, anyway, moving on from shoes. I love it. Uh, your favorite yeah. quote or rule that you live by? Oh boy. I think you've said, so, shared so many of them in this that episode. Was the one quote. <laughs> yeah. So I'll share my other favorite quote that the one you heard was, yeah. be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. The other one is Victor Frankl's quote, which is, between stimulus and response, there is space. Mm. And in that space lies our ability to choose our response. And in our choice lies our freedom. Yeah, And I that. that, I i mean, I must say that probably twice a week as yeah. well, because yeah. it just pertains to everything. I'm all about how do we help people respond instead of react yes. to the stimulus of life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who inspires you and why? Oh my goodness. You know, I'm going to cheat on this one. And I have to say, <laughs> there's so many amazing people in the world. But if I were to be really honest, you know, I find myself constantly inspired by my husband. Mm. He is oh, no. such a, I just such an amazing soul and just so wonderful and brilliant and smart. And, you know, I learn, I, I'm really lucky we learn from each other every day, yes. but... I have to say, he he is is definitely one that inspires me. I love that. And last one, finish this sentence. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would. My goodness. I know. It's a big question. <laughs> That's a really big question. You know what? Okay, I... It's not a matter of saying yes to things. I think it comes down to saying no to things. <gasps> wow. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's what it really, I think for the momentum's sake, but being more clear. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, we've never had that answer before, Amy. And I love that. And I think we can oh. all take a little bit of advice in that because I actually yeah. just did a presentation yesterday and we, we talked a lot about like saying no and where that yeah. brings back our boundaries and brings back our, every, you know, everything. I love that. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so, so very much. I have learned so much on today's conversation. I'm sure our listeners will have as well. We're going to be having printing Hallmark cards for four months. With, <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I, there's just so many juicy, juicy, amazing quotes that are going to come out of this episode and we'll be sharing those online. But thank Wonderful. you so much for everything that you do, but just having spending thank the time you. with us to share and talk to us about all these amazing options and techniques and things that we can learn to yeah. just be better, just be be more ourselves. Live and, on purpose. Yeah, living on purpose. That's and what I, it's about, living on purpose. In the very <laughs> beginning, your, your commitment is that people really live their true intention and their full potential. And I think we got so much of the learning out of, out of that from the conversation today. So thank you so oh, much. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. And we can't wait to read your book. It'll be out once this episode's out, but fabulous, fabulous. May 24th. That's right. But you can pre-order. It's pre-order available on Amazon. And yeah, you can read about it on alwaysonpurpose.com, my website. Fantastic. And thank you to everyone for listening today. Remember, there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be. So please get in touch or visit us at risewomen.com. We want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal by getting our programs and resources out to as many women as possible. So until next time, remember, with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now. Bye.